Hello, and welcome to the Retro Ludo Podcast, a retrospective on retro video games and their modern legacies. Episode 1, Metroid. So, I've decided to start this podcast because I'm interested in the history and the creation of the games I love, both old and new. Uh, the vision I have for this podcast is one part video game history podcast, one part retro game review podcast. And not so retro as well, you know. Games old and new. Um, my plan is for each se- season to have a loose theme or subgenre. The uh, subgenre of this season is Metroidvania. For those unfamiliar, Metroidvania is a portmanteau of Metroid and Castlevania. Uh, which are two game series, if you don't know. It generally describes a subgenre of somewhat nonlinear action-adventure games, uh, usually with areas gated by abilities, often but not always platforming abilities. Uh, people argue about what makes a game a Metroidvania. Uh, some say that it has to be a 2D side-scrolling platformer. I honestly strongly disagree with this. Um, I consider, for example, Arkham Asylum is clearly a Metroidvania, and it is clearly not a 2D side-scrolling platformer. It is none of those things. Maybe a little bit of platformer, but not really. It's 3D. It's a 3D action-adventure game, but like it, the structure is Metroidvania. You unlock new abilities and explore new areas, and it's a semi-open-world adventure game. The current plan I have is to cover most of the Metroid series and most of the Castlevania series from Symphony of the Night onward. For those who don't know, that's kind of when Castlevania became a Metroidvania. Uh, There was an earlier title you could sort of call that in the Castlevania series, but the first one that people know and then inspired the the subgenre is Symphony of the Night. Um, I'm also going to cover the first Castlevania, even though it's not a Metroidvania, uh, just sort of for posterity's sake, for history. And I'm going to cover some of the games, uh, later games inspired by uh, these uh, series, such as Hollow Knight or In the Blind Forest. Uh, I'll probably cover Cave Story and Shadow Complex, and maybe a couple others. Um, not all these are going to be a one-to-one ratio of episode to game. Uh, for example, I'll probably combine Met- the Metroid Prime series into one episode. Um, I'll probably combine Metroid Fusion and Metroid Zero Mission into one episode. Those are both key Game Boy Advance titles. Um, and I'm not covering uh, Metroid Federation Force, Metroid Hunters, or Other M. Uh, those games generally aren't well regarded. I, I don't know that it's worth covering them. And they're also... I don't, I don't think they have that much significance in the, the series and the subgenre. Um, I'm also not going to cover some of the worst Castlevanias. I'm definitely going to cover Hollow Knight and the Blind, or the Blind Forest and Minimum, as far as more modern games go. I'm going to attempt to play uh, and beat every game I cover. Uh, I'm not bad at video games. I'm not great at video games. Uh, I'm at an average skill level for a 30-year-old who has spent half of his life playing video games. So, you know, 
So if I cover later on other series, other seasons, if I cover Battletoads or Super Goals and Ghouls and Ghosts in some, you know, way, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to beat, I'm gonna be able to beat those or not. Uh, I'm not above abusing and abusing save states. I'm a bit of a scrub that way. Uh, so with the handicapped, I, I should be able to manage, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I don't think it's gonna be a problem for this season. Uh, because none of the games that I plan on covering, I think, are that hard. Hollow Knight is pretty hard, but it's not, like, unmanageable. So, switching gears. Today's episode, as I've said in the title, is about the original Metroid. Uh, I felt this was a good place to start, even though there are technically games that came before Metroid that you could call Metroidvanias. Um, by the subgenre's name, you can obviously tell that Metroid and Castlevania are the two games people will remember that in influenced the genre. And Metroid was the first to sell really well and to popularize the subgenre, and the one that a bunch of other games take influence from. Most of this information comes from Wikipedia. Uh, I'm sure my college professors would be really disappointed in me for using that as my main source. Um, if you have any corrections, let me know, and I will uh, will correct them in a future episode. Uh, also, you somehow you're if you do have a corrections, you're somehow a bigger nerd than I am. Um, so good job, I guess. I, I don't know. Uh, released in 1986 for the Famicom, uh, and later in 1987 for the NES. For those who don't know, the Famicom is basically the NES. They just made some minor changes and locked it down a bit, at least in the U.S. Uh, Metroid is a non-linear action-adventure platformer. It puts you in the shoes of Samus Aran, a uh, badass, notably female Federation bounty hunter. It's both the first released in the series and the first on the timeline, so there's none like no weirdness with like you know it being later in the timeline when it was the first game released. The name Metroid is a combination of the words Metro and Android, which doesn't really make any sense because the Metroid creatures are neither androids nor do they seem to have anything to do with cities. But that's neither here nor there. I'm pretty sure they just chose the name because it sounded cool. It was co-developed by Nintendo's Research and Development 1 uh, and Intelligent Systems. Research and Development 1 is also known for Donkey Kong, Game & Watch, the original Mario Bros. arcade game, Ice Climbers, and a few lesser-known NES launch titles that I'm not going to get into here. They later, later went on, after Metroid, to develop titles such as Kid Icarus, Baseball, Tetris for the NES, Super Mario Land, Super, um, the Wario Land series, and of course, other Metroid titles. Somewhat fittingly, their last game before being absorbed into Nintendo software planning and development was Metroid Zero Mission, a Game Boy Advance remake of the original Metroid. Intelligent Systems is known for the Fire Emblem series, the Advance War series, Duck Hunt, and the Paper Mario series. Other than the Metroid series, the two developers also collaborated on uh, WarioWare, uh, if you don't know, WarioWare is a uh, micro-game series, somewhat like the mini-games in uh, Paper Mario, but much, much weirder. 
so before I get into the names of the people who worked on this game, uh, I want to get something, something out of the way. There's going to be a lot of Japanese names. I'm a American white guy. Um, I looked up how to pronounce all of these names, but I'm probably still going to butcher a lot of them. So I apologize in advance for that. The game was produced by Gunpei Yokoi, who had a huge hand in the Game Boy as well, uh, which is probably why the Metroid 2 was a Game Boy title. Uh, Metroid was directed by Satoru Okada and Masao Yamamoto, and featured music composed by Hirokazu Tanaka. The game was written by Makoto Kano, with character design by Hiroji Kiyotake, Hirofumi Matsuoka, and Yoshio Sakamoto. Kiyotake is responsible for Samus' character design. The main programmers were Toshio Sengoku, Hiroyuki Yukami, and Zero Sobajima. With special thanks to a handful of other people I'm not going to look up the real names of and look into the role of. Um, the credits, most of the names in the credits weren't their real names, they just put like nicknames in there. Which uh, is kind of indicative of the loose working environment that uh, many of the developers, some of the developers uh, say the game had. Um, Tanaka, the composer in particular, described it as a very free working environment and suggests that suggestions crossed domains and were implemented. Uh, he brings up the, idea, the example that he like made some suggestions on art and like um, style and that those were implemented into the game. Apparently, the idea to make a Samus Aran a woman was suggested by uh, somewhat randomly by one of the developers. Uh, they thought the idea was cool, and so they went with it. Interestingly, uh, the English instruction manual refers to Samus as a man. I'm not sure whether this was a, an intentional misdirect, a translation oversight, a simple mistake, or if the manual was written before they decided to make her a woman. Uh, in a retrospective on Metroid, Game Trailers posits that uh, she helped pave the way for the likes of Chun-Li in Street Fighter and Lara Croft in Tomb Raider. Which she probably did. Uh, this having a, having a character like this be a woman uh, in 1987 was pretty new for games. It seems that at first, Sakamoto, uh, who was did the character design, uh, was an artist, um, the main artist basically on the project, was actually working on a different game. And he entrusted two other uh, seemingly more junior people, uh, not quite clear, um, to do the style of Metroid, basically. But he came back to the game after some time, and in his own words, the game's style was... Uh, these are his own words, but they're also Google translated from Japanese, so I don't know how accurate the wording is, but in his own words, the style was the image of a character with high physical strength shooting a gun on a spacey stage, and not much else. So he got involved and helped uh, give the, the art and the style of the game some direction. The impression I get from multiple interviews is kind of that uh, everyone at the senior level in creation of the game was doing everything. Um, Sakamoto is credited as an artist, for instance, but some of his interview statements sound like statements from a director or producer to me. The game was heavily influenced by the movie Alien, uh, 
And that was obvious to me before I even read that in the Wikipedia article. Uh, music definitely contributes to that, uh, to that creepy sci-fi atmosphere. It's sort of like dissonant and gives you the feeling of being alone on a space station, to me at least. Also, some of the music is uh, is metal as hell. Like, uh, Kray's Hideout theme is a very metal song. There's also a cover of it by Hargle that's pretty good. I would check that out. It's pretty awesome. Um, a quote from Hirokazu Tanaka, remember the composer, in a 2002 Gamma Sutra, Gamma Sutra interview. I had a concept that the music from Metroid should be created not as game music, but as music the players feel as if they were encountering a living creature. I wanted to create the sound without any distinctions between music and sound effects. The image I had was, anything that comes from out of the game is the sound that the game makes. Uh, end quote. In the same interview, he also said he wanted to like have the opposite of like catchy pop tunes of like a lot of games at the time. Uh, I feel that the the best execution of this, as far as like it sounding just like the sound the game makes, is in uh, the final boss theme, uh, the Mother Brain's boss theme. Uh, that that's a very like weird, weird uh, song and like weird like you feel like it's you coming from inside of the game. But overall, the music is very impressive for uh, the NES. So that's kind of a good segue into uh, giving my thoughts on the game itself. First and foremost, uh, I really like this game. Um, I basically 100%ed it. I missed one missile tank because it was kind of a pain in the ass to get, but I got everything else and did everything else in the game. But this game is also a product of its time. Uh, it spawned the Metroidvania genre and uh, influenced hundreds of games since. It's got so many secrets, so many collectibles. It has elements of exploration, challenging platforming, and awesome boss fights. It was a non-linear platformer in a time where that was pretty new. There were very few before it. Uh, and the designers obviously knew this and designed the game, like, well to teach you that early on. For example, at the beginning of the game, you have a choice of going left or right. Now, most people, in 1987, and even today, are going to go right to start with. But if you go right, you quickly hit a dead end. So, you turn around, go left, and you find the Morph Ball, which is a power-up that lets you, or an item, basically, that lets you shrink down to half your normal height and get through some get through areas on the right you couldn't get through before. But there's another fork in the road going down that you can't get to yet. Uh, you soon get bombs that you can uh, put down in morph ball form that let you go down that path. But when you go down that path you hit another dead end of two statues which aren't cleared until you beat the two mini bosses. Ridley and Crade, which unless you're speedrunning the game is going to be hours and hours later. So the game very very quickly uh, teaches players that this isn't going to be a simple left to right platformer. You're going to be going all kinds of different ways, you're going to be backtracking, etc etc. In my opinion, this is cool, but the game overdoes this aspect. 
sometimes I think it's just a maze to be a maze and possibly even to pad the length of the game. You can miss jumps and that'll be like a 15 minute setback and that's if you don't die getting back to where you were. Uh, I played this game with save states and honestly I think it made it a better game. Uh, a lot less frustrating than it would have been otherwise. And there's no in-game map, which I think was a choice and not a technical limitation. Um, you can make your own map, but uh, why not just put a map in? You know, I don't know. Like, I think it was popular at the time to like not have maps, and like make people make people make their own maps, but I don't know. I don't like that. Uh, this game was pretty hard, and I can't help but consider how much harder it would have been in 1987. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well. You couldn't look up a map online, or watch a YouTuber do a difficult part, or use save states like I did to make a difficult jump less painful. I barely played this game as a kid, but if I had play I played it even further, I played it further back then, I honestly would have thought that some of the power-ups were impossible to get to, and the developers were just messing with me. Um, and I honestly almost thought that playing it today was until I looked up a video of people getting some of the, some of the stuff. There was an energy tank uh, near the Boss Crate, for example, that was like really hard to get. Like you have to like, you have to drop down into lava, shoot out an area, jump back up, turn into morph ball, more morph ball form, drop a bomb and go over the bomb, have to have the bomb propel you into the little tiny space to get more life. <laughs> There's also some other things that are just annoying. Uh, for example, the only way to restore your health is by killing enemies or getting a new energy tank. There's a limited number of those. It isn't difficult to just kill a bunch of enemies to get health or missiles. Like, it just, it's annoying and time consuming. Also, I'm not sure if this is a bug or intentional, but making that even worse, if you kill an enemy enough times in a particular spawn point, they'll stop dropping stuff and you have to either move to where the camera moves or sometimes even leave the area like leave the room completely speaking of technical issues this game has major performance issues <laughs> like if there's more than two enemies on the screen at once like the frame rate just chugs and like yeah but I mean it was the NES what are you gonna do uh, overall, gameplay progression and the bosses were satisfying um, to me. The way you can elect a bunch of extra power-ups and stuff for fighting Kraid, or you can just go fight him almost immediately was kind of cool. But the game has over-reliance on the, uh, the Ice Beam. The Ice Beam lets you freeze enemies and some projectiles. Without the Ice Beam, Kraid and Ridley are really, really hard. With the Ice Beam, Ridley is a complete joke and Kraid is just kind of difficult. Making this even worse, there's a, a completely optional wave beam, which makes it easier to kill some enemies, but it's kind of a trap. Uh, it's mutually exclusive with ice beam. You have to go back and uh, where the, go back to where you found the ice beam to get the ice beam back. And the same with the wave beam, you get the ice beam. And you need the ice beam, basically, to beat the game, because at, near the end of the game, there's Metroids. And Metroids can only be killed by using the Ice Beam and then missiling them. Um, so then you have to, if you have the Wave Beam at that point, you have to backtrack all the way back to the Ice Beam. It's like halfway across the map and get it. I really wish that you could switch from 
the ice beams, the wave beam without backtracking to where you found them. I mean, Mega Man did that basically with its its weapons. Only a year later, so I, I don't think it would have been that hard to do. I think they just, I don't know, I don't know if it was intentional or just oversight or what, uh, but it's really annoying. And basically means that most people just skip the wave beam. Uh, Mother Brain, the final boss, was a, uh, a very challenging boss. It requires you to do some excellent platforming. There's like lava you can fall into. There's tons of stuff you have to dodge. And uh, she takes a lot of that to kill. And I think it was, it was a pretty satisfying boss fight. So this might be kind of a weird or trite to do this, but I'm going to give this 35-year-old game a review score. Uh, I'm going to give this game a 7 out of 10. Uh, it's a great, honestly, revolutionary for the time title. That's spawned a huge subgenre, but it uh, has aged poorly in some ways, and even at the time, in my opinion, has some strange design decisions, such as the wave beam and ice beam and lack of a map. So uh, that about wraps up this episode. The next episode will be on the original Castlevania. I don't know, I don't have a set in stone schedule for these episodes yet, but Castlevania is pretty short and I'm already more than halfway through it. So that'll probably be in a week or two that I'll release that uh, episode. Uh, this has been Retro Ludo. Have a wonderful day.